Welcome to News Over Brews, the only podcast that breaks down the best of this week's pop culture over a nice cold beer. Sponsored by PopBreak.com. I am your host and moderator, Al Manorino. On this week's episode, we discuss the ratings change of Expendables 3, a huge update for fans of the Halo series, the latest single from Afrojack, and we pick our favorite trailer of the week in this week's Trailer Talk. With me, as always, is the voodoo god of sex, Lucas Jones. <laughs> and the stunt double for Knickknack, Ryan DeMarco. Boss, the plane, the plane. Well, James Bond references aside, uh, Luke, I'm really thirsty. What are we drinking tonight? Well, Al, this week we are doing a little bit of a throwback. Um, throwback in the sense that this beer that we're currently drinking was bottled in November of 2013. It is a Snowblind Doppelbach Lager made by Star Hill. It's a seasonal release, and like I said, it was released in November of 2013. Um, is a 7.4% ABV with a 13 IBU rating, so not very bitter at all. Uh, we picked it up, actually, because, well, we're all kind of broke this week, and it was on special at the liquor store in New Brunswick that I went to this weekend, and uh, I had a couple of bottles left over, so I figured, why not? Let's give it a shot. So it's made with um, one kind of hop, Pearl Hops, which is a break from our usual, uh, and actually it focuses more on the malted barley made from four different barleys. Um, we've got a really big caramel taste, I think, um, a nice full body and not a lot of bitterness. Definitely not a crisp beer. Um, you're going to get malts, sugars, a sweetness that kind of lingers. Um, it poured... It's a very, very dark amber. Um, very minimal head. It's not that carbonated, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, it uses lager yeast, so it will finish a bit differently than your IPA that we've been, or Belgians that we've been reviewing the last couple of weeks. Um, I like it. You know, I, I picked it up on a whim, and I'm getting, like I said, I'm getting caramel. I'm getting a little, a little sweetness. Let me just take another sip for reference here. I'm just getting a slight bitter finish here, and I, I think that's nice because it's. I think it comes less from the hops and more from like a like a toasted flavor. Um, Ryan had a good point while we were kind of discussing the beer before the show, so I'll let him kind of introduce what he was what he discovered when he was drinking the beer. Um, but yeah, with this, it's definitely a. As you pointed out too, it's more of a. It's like probably one of the most mellow beers I've ever had in my life. Um, but uh, it's got a dark and gritty texture to it. Uh, however, um, and it has a. I, I was getting like a, um, a chestnut kind of uh, toffee style. Um, so like a, like a sweet nutty kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was getting a lot of that. Um, <clears throat> definitely bitter. It wasn't what I was expecting. I I, I like it though. This is a, this is a good. It's not a summer beer. That's for sure. Um, but. It is in my beer library for forever and ever, and uh, 
a wise choice, Lucas. Well, thanks, and I'm glad it worked out. And and I, I kind of, as I'm drinking it, I think the bitter that we're getting is more of a toasted bitter rather than a hop bitter, and and that comes from the fact that it's it's like a, it's a Doppelbach, which is kind of close to like a, a really deep dark brown ale. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely that that sweet nutty taste that you're getting is absolutely present. Um, at its 7.4% alcohol rating, it borders on being sessionable. Um, it usually releases in November, so unfortunately you guys might have to wait a little bit. But uh, definitely, I, I would say put it on your list. It's, it's a nice beer that kind of warms you up a little bit. But at the same time, you know, 7.4%. You can't even taste the alcohol. It tastes almost like a like a malted beverage. You can barely taste the alcohol heat behind it. Um, so that is our review of the Snowblind Doppelbach. I would probably give it in season in the winter season when it's not eighty five degrees out like it currently is. Uh, <laughs> I would probably give it a higher rating, probably about seven and a half or an eight. In the summer, it's tough because the beer warms up so quickly. Um, which is not a bad thing, but I, I think this beer is better served around 45 degrees, 50 degrees. So I'd probably give it like a seven, seven and a half. It's a good solid beer if you can still find it. I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm actually going to be a little below you, um, given that it is, of course, 85,000 degrees out right now, mm-hmm. and we are having a beer that's seven months too late. Right now, I'll give it a 6.5. However, in the winter, this would probably be a more go-to beer. This would definitely warm up your winter night and it's kind of like a coffee as you said mm-hmm. a little bit um you know we're, we're gonna try try to shift into to summer mode here as we've we been saying forward. that for a while well you know what i think it's partially my fault because i'm a huge stout lover um i still have a bunch of stouts in the, the fancy beer cabinet waiting to be tapped open um but you know we, we will try to feature some more sessionable beers now that you know people need to be active while they're drinking um and we'll try to shift away from that but of course, you know I'm always a sucker for, um, for other beers, other big beers. So uh, we'll try it, give it a shot, see what happens. But for now, Al, let's send it back to you. Yeah, uh, great review. I, uh, I honestly I couldn't find uh, this beer. You didn't tell me that it was a uh, a winter uh, stout that was brewed, you know, like seven months back. You mentioned. Um, well, uh, I'm drinking with you in spirit. Uh, a couple hours away from you guys. I'm drinking a, a homebrew that my uncle made. Um, coincidentally, the same person who made uh, the first uh, the first beer that was ever on our first podcast, um, which is, this is excellent. We will have to review it in a future installment. Absolutely. And uh, it, interesting that you mentioned that because as I'm looking at my calendar right now, I have uh, what is May 29th circled, which is when my two homebrews get transferred from the keg to the bottles to bottle condition for two or three weeks. Awesome. So hopefully in about six to eight weeks, we'll be looking at a blue uh, raspberry wheat and a um, a malty kind of a lager ale hybrid. So. Ooh. So we got some summer releases courtesy of uh, News Over Brews Brewing. Absolutely. Very excited about that. We begin with movie news. Now, it was kind of a slow week for news. There was a ton of trailers that we will get to later, but one of the things that really stuck out to me was Sylvester Stallone confirming that the latest in his Expendable series, Expendables 3, which comes out this summer, 
um, is going to be rated PG-13, which is very odd considering the first two films were rated R. And they did very well in the box office for rated R action films. Um, you know, people with 90s nostalgia and love for action movies and Jason Statham, they all went to go see it. It's just very odd that they chose to change it to PG-13. Now, Lucas and Ryan are both huge fans of the Expendables franchise. We all go see the movies when they come out every you know year or so. And uh, I definitely wanted to get their take on what they thought about this change. Um, Ryan, since you are a huge movie buff, as well as a huge Expendables fan, uh, what do you think of this change, and uh, why do you think they did this? Well, it's uh, very obvious why they did it, you know, from a business standpoint. You know, the Expendables, as you said, were very successful, the first two, and they made, you know, just under $100 million each here, uh, you know, even more overseas. Making it to PG-13 easily transitions the movie tickets to uh, an o- a wider audience. You know, you can get anyone. You can get kids coming in, a younger audience. The third one appears to have a younger cast because, you know, let's face it, the bodies in The Expendables, you know, there's younger bodies on the beaches of Normandy. But, um, you know, they're getting a whole younger crowd in there and... I, I can understand. They they want to get like they have Ronda Rousey, they have Victor Ortiz. Those are famous, you know, you know, UFC fighters, boxers. They want to get the younger crowd in. Understandable. Um, as a fan perspective, uh, it's a little disheartening. It's a little, you know, I I, I went through this before when Die Hard Four came out, Live Free or Die Hard. It had the PG thirteen effect, and to be honest, it was terrible the PG-13 version, but they also made the uncut version. And that kind of, um, they kind of redeemed themselves with that. Ultimately, The Expendables, um, it's still the same characters, you know, the same old characters, minus the the new additions. It's going to be a great movie still, um, with Wesley Snipes, Mel Gibson, and and the, the, young, the younger ones that are coming in. It's going to be a great movie. Um, it's, like I said, you know, it won't have the same hardcore action as the other two, or the language won't, will be a little tamer. Like I said, from a business standpoint, it's understandable. From a fan perspective, you know, I'll live with it. We'll see how it is. They said it's going to be close to R, so I'll let it go. There are good PG-13 action movies out there, so let's see what they have. Yeah, I'm not willing to dismiss it out of hand, that's for sure. Um, there have been a number of great PG-13 movies, action movies that have been made. So it's, you know, it, and it's not like they have to sacrifice any one aspect of the film. You know, like they, they can keep some of the violence. They can keep, you know, a small bit of language. Um, they could say one F word. One F word, right, in one. PG-13. You know, I got to make it count. I've been noticing they've been saying like two F words now. Wow. And like unlimited cacas, you know. Um, but in, in any case, I, I think it's it's not going to be. It doesn't necessarily have to make the film any worse, but what it could do is elevate the movie, past, like I enjoy it for the nostalgia. To that was actually a halfway decent film. You know, if if they take they can take it as kind of a maybe a challenge because I understand the business part of it, and I I can't imagine that was a Stallone decision. Um, so maybe they can take it as a bit of a challenge to make a. Just as good as a movie, but 
keep it in PG-13 range. Because you can't deny that a lot of kids under 18 are interested in those action stars. Especially now that they're making like a resurgence between Arnold and Stallone. And, you know, we all know Terry Crews is, is extremely visible in a lot of different mediums. Most notably recently is the Old Spice guy. I was going to say uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but yeah, I guess well, yeah, the Old Brooklyn, Spice guy Brooklyn too. Brooklyn Nine-Nine has, and the Old His Spice His name guy. is Terry Crews. Um, what? His name's Terry Crews. Right. Yeah. He oh, said did you say it. that? Yes, he did say it. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, but And Cheeseburger Ready. From Cheeseburger Ready. Cheeseburger Ready. That's how, that's how I go one. Um, but yeah, so I, I think it'll be, it'll be good. It'll make it a little bit harder, but it might make the payoff sweeter if they do a good job with it. I have one final thought just to throw in there before Al takes it back. Um, now that I, I've been thinking about it, I can see more why because as well as, you know, there are the other action stars. you got Jason Statham, can't forget him. The past, um, since Arnold's comeback, uh, his movies have not been doing so well. Uh, Stallone's last few, Bullet to the Head, did not do too well. Combined, not combined, uh, altogether the three Arnold movies, uh, Last Stand made less than fifteen million here. Sabotage made less than fifteen million. Um, prison, uh, not prison. Um, Escape Plan made less than twenty five. I can understand now why they would want to do the the PG thirteen route. Um, but I, I'm also I'm also hoping that they do the uncut version too. I think that would be. Essentially, the Ooh, that's a good point. The best for both worlds. The, the uncut version yeah. on DVD. I like that because, uh, and uh, I'm also thinking too. I rem- remember if uh, you recall when Expendables two came out, there was a rumor that Expendables two was going to be PG thirteen. There was that's, a complete backlash. That's true. I remember because I remember they had a photoshopped um, poster of Expendables two with all of the old action stars holding Nerf guns. <laughs> I love that. that that was funny. So there was a big backlash, but for this one, I'm not hearing it so much. Like, I, I guess it's kind of um, eased in. Maybe kind of everyone's kind of accepting it. They're gonna see how this one kind of goes. It's got a whole new direction, a whole new cast. So let's let's fly with it. Yeah. So um, the quote from Stallone when when asked why there was a change, he said, "We want to reach as many people as possible. It's very close to an R. Believe me, it's right there. But I think we owe it to the next generation." We thought we joined that club for a while. I can understand what he's saying because, yeah, like Ryan said, that there is a uh, there is younger, expendable members in this film. Um, but I mean, the first two films worked so well, and yes, there was a backlash when they even said that there was going to be a PG thirteen for the second one. So I think they would just close out the series because they this is the last one. Um, I hope not. I, I thought they well, would. He just... said he said we joined that club for a while. Which implies that there may be later films where they won't be in the club. Hmm. That's true. Mm, yes. Hmm. Yes, possibly. Um, but hopefully there is an, uh, an, you know, an uncut version of the film you know, on Blu-ray. That'd be fantastic. We will probably be the first people to buy it. But we have to see the film first, which comes out August 15th this summer. And we are incredibly excited for it. So definitely... Definitely go check that movie out when it comes out this summer. Moving on to some very exciting video game news. This week we decided to skip television news, really because there wasn't really anything mind-blowing. On the other hand, the video game news was something extremely exciting. 
They've finally given the first details on Halo 5. Uh, I'm a huge Halo fan. It's actually the pretty much pretty much the first uh, shooting game that kind of got me into the entire first-person shooting genre. Um, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Ryan, Lucas, we all play them. Uh, we still play Halo 4 from time to time when we're drinking. And uh, they finally released the first details and the new game titled Halo 5 Guardians. Um, they released some information about it with a poster. The poster is probably the coolest thing. It's um, has the title and then Master Chief on the bottom and um, on like almost like a mirror image is someone we've never seen before. It's a Spartan soldier who is a completely new character. It's not Cortana. It's not Halo 4 Sarah Palmer. It's a completely new character. It's a blue visored Spartan who looks really badass too. And um, this game is going to be on the Xbox One console, the, the newest Xbox console, which has just been brought down to $399.99. And uh, it's going to be without the Kinect, which is fine because no one uses the Kinect. And then um, the game is going to be at 60 frames per second on uh, dedicated servers um, with the scope, features, and scale that they've been dreaming of for more than a decade, which is a quote from... Um, who was who quote this? Oh, uh, Josh Holmes, and uh, that's the executive producer of 343 Industries, who's going to be, you know, who's been taking the helm ever since Bungie left, um, as well as uh, Bonnie Ross, uh, general manager at 343 Industries. It was a blog post that they uh, pretty much everything's going to be leading up to E3. We're getting some, you know, minor details. Um, I guess they just can, couldn't wait to uh, they couldn't wait to E3 to actually show. Or you know, give us some kind of hint about the new game. Now, um, Lucas, since I always give the first question to Ryan, I'm going to give you the first question. Um, are you excited about um, a new Halo, even though it is going to be only on the Xbox One? Yes, conditionally. Okay. Explain. Um, first condition is that you have to buy an Xbox One because I'm sure as hell not paying three ninety nine for a game system that I'm not going to play. Oh, so I have to buy it. Yes. Well, I, I'm I'm converting to PC Master Race, and so you'll have to be peasant with an Xbox One. You'll have to play that role, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, but huh? my other conditions, I don't want to fight the Covenant. I'm done with the Covenant. Well, um, we didn't that, fight the Covenant in the uh, in the fourth one. Well, I, I know, but I, I just I just think that I, I want to make sure that that stays the way it stays. I want to make sure that, you know, that, that storyline wrapped itself up. I want to expand deeper and broader into the Halo universe. And I think they did a really good job with the campaign in Halo 4 with giving us some new characters, some new locations, and a new feel. It, it, it felt totally different. And I, I think I told Ryan this because I borrowed his copy of Halo 4. Borrowed it indefinitely. Um... It the campaign felt totally different from the other Halo games. I thought it was the best campaign yet. Out of all the Halos, I thought it was the best campaign. Because not only was it varied, not only was it fluid and smooth and paced, but it had like a storyline. Without giving away the ending, even though you should have played it by now. It was it was an emotional ending to a game that's not known for really emotional endings. Um, That's such my only a lie. other caveat would be that please fix the multiplayer. 
please, please fix the multiplayer. I don't want to play Call of Duty. I want to play Halo. And the Halo 4 multiplayer felt like playing Call of Duty. Between the weapon drops and the loadouts, and it just felt like Call of Duty with a Halo skin. And the reason we play Halo is for a Halo experience. Um, you know, owning strategic points on a map because you know weapons respawn in certain areas. That's negated with special weapon drops and loadouts. Um, you know, I, the reason I left Call of Duty is because I don't want to play Call of Duty. So don't don't make Halo 5 Call of Duty like you did Halo 4. Those are my, I guess those are my two caveats for the new game. Now, um, I mean, ever since we even saw last year's E3, we kind of got that um, that feel for what, um, what was going to be on the Xbox One. They kind of showed this preview trailer. And the most mysterious thing that they showed was this this man or you know, person um, in a in looking over a desert and then you see the person and it's Master Chief with a poncho. Alright, first of all, that's right up there with Daryl Dixon in a poncho as the most badass thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan, you've been begging for a new Halo um, even though you barely played the fourth one which is, you know, a travesty amongst other things. You know, we're excited for the Halo series. Um, obviously, Microsoft is kind of stepping up their game when it comes to their content and how they're expanding, not just, uh, you know, through sequels, but also through, you know, other original content we've already seen um, forward onto Dawn. And uh, now there's also two Halo series in the works. So um, what do you think about, you know, this new game, Halo 5, and... Um, do you think it's unfair that it's only on the Xbox One and not on the Xbox 360, which is, which is still you know used quite frequently? Well, I'd like to make one thing clear. I would like my Halo 4 back um, eventually. <laughs> you will get nothing and like it. Yes. Um, it's my game, and I want to play it, and I'm too lazy to grab it, even though it's in the next room right now. Um, but you know what? I think I will grab it. Anyway... Onto important business. Um, no, I don't think it's a stupid move. It's kind of Xbox 360 has is <clears throat> its days are numbered. It's only going to be going. I'm going to say I think it's only going until December. So with them obviously advancing to the Xbox One, um, it's a logical move on for. Three, four, three. The industries. It's um. I'm a little. I, I don't understand why they don't expand more. Why they're so exclusive with Xbox. Um. Do you guys know by any chance? Um. Bungie, uh, the original creators of Halo, it was an exclusive thing through Microsoft. Um. I think Microsoft owns the Halo franchise. So when Bungie realized sense. they couldn't um, expand it any longer. They decided that they were going to part ways, not with Microsoft, but with the Halo franchise and start something new. That's why they're working on Destiny, which is going to expand over a decade, which is really, really cool concept. And we will definitely talk about that in another episode. Um, but yeah, that's why uh, 343 Industries, which was started by members of Bungie, as well as new people, um, that's they took over Halo with technically with the remake of the first Halo Combat Evolved, and then they did Halo 4, which is awesome. 
Well, for what I've seen and what I've heard, obviously when Halo 4 came out, defied expectations, kind of put 343 Industries on the map. Um, However, with this fifth one, I think this will kind of put them into... Halo is a gigantic franchise already. I think this will kind of put them into their own... This might even put them on par, if not beyond, Call of Duty. Because they're kind of... They're spreading out. They're kind of... They're, they're, they're digging in deep. They're making their own thing. Making a name for themselves with everything. Now they're branching the TV, as we've mentioned a couple weeks back. Um, I agree completely with Lucas's um, tidbits with the fourth one. For what I, little I played, I agree with you. Um... And you know, I know they got the feedback from that too. I think they're going to change that up again. They're going to redesign uh, a lot of the controls, a lot of the gameplay. Um, and you know, I think this is going to be a complete entire. It's it's going to be a, a monster of its own, and it will pave the way for future Halos. Well, the last thing I'm going to say is, um, you know, we're obviously going to see more information about this at this year's E3, but more importantly, Lucas, do you think Halo Four was the best campaign absolutely um it was the best campaign for a number of reasons but wait before you even get into that does that count is that just from halo one two three and four or the halo spinoffs everything with the halo brand really because i I would say odst or reach those are both phenomenal campaigns odst was fun it was a nice break in that you got to play as a normal character. No, but you got to play as the whole crew, and then the whole storyline was pretty like like thought out. Like you were the rookie, and you saw a scene, and then you saw that scene unfold with the rest of the crew because he got separated from them. I thought like it was their most unique story, um, and it was definitely well executed. Definitely. I mean, the the storyline for that was great. I just thought the gameplay execution was was a little was was lacking, and it wasn't lacking as you're playing the game, but it's lacking in context with the with Halo Four. Like it's good. It's a good game, but when you put it up against the campaign of Halo Four, which gives you a unique storyline, um, actual plot points that matter, mm-hmm. major plot points that have an impact now on the rest of the se- uh, series. Um, in addition to that um, unique gameplay, like the you know new enemies, new weapons, a new feel. Like I said, it's it's you know it's kind of like describing the mouth feel of a beer. There's no real word that kind of you can kind of go, oh well, it kind of it feels like a little creamy but a little foamy. You know, this is like the feel of the game. It felt better streamlined paced um it didn't lag but it didn't sprint it was it was just right for a campaign and i felt like they really hit the sweet spot with that mm-hmm. because they had the combination of the gameplay experience and the story which is instrumental in bringing you like into that universe yeah i mean i, I we can we can do beer examples for the entire halo franchise but i'm just going to let it off with, I'm extremely excited for anything involving Halo, and we're going to be seeing a lot more of Halo with Halo 5 coming out, and then two Halo's TV series. One is going to be produced by Steven Spielberg, which is fantastic. Can't wait. So, look out for those. 
Moving on to our last topic, we're going to be talking trailers in this week's trailer talk. Now, usually we only pick one trailer, but this week was so good, we were blessed with a few awesome trailers, including the second full-length trailer for Guardians of the Galaxy, um, also the first full trailer for Interstellar, and as well as today, of all days, we got to see uh, the trailer for The Secret Service, which has now been renamed Kingsman The Secret Service. So we decided this week that instead of giving you our description or the reasons we liked or didn't like one particular trailer, we're going to each pick our favorite trailer out of the three and explain why, hopefully in a short amount of time, why we really enjoyed that trailer and thought it was better than the other ones. So we're going to start off with Ryan. Ryan, what trailer did you choose? Al, given this week was a rapid-fire onslaught of excellent trailers, I was this was a tough one. But uh, ultimately, I decided to go with Matthew Vaughn's Kingsman, The Secret Service. Uh, given that there's not really a, um, a whole bunch of details around the movie, it's based off the Mark Millar comic book which is not too old, came out, I think, last year, maybe. A few years ago. Well, it started coming out. What's that? A few years ago. A few years ago. I'm sorry. I'm a little behind. Um, I'm not a whole – I don't read the book. I'm not a whole lot um, caught up on it. So I can't really give you um, particulars on the story. From the trailer, though, it looks excellent. It looks classic Matthew Vaughn. Uh, from Kick-Ass and X-Men. From the trailer, it shows a a young – um, British kind of uh, delinquent who has these special set of skills. He can um, he he he's he can rob. He can uh, carjack. He, Grand Theft Auto. He can do all of this stuff. Um, when ultimately he lands in jail, he's bailed out from this um, mysterious figure, Colin Firth, who um, the delinquent kind of jokes that he's uh, he he looks like a um, what's the, what's the term. A tailor. That's right. He, he jokes that he's like a tailor, but you know, not like none like he's ever seen before. And Colin Firth kind of opens him up into this whole other underworld where it's um, the Secret Service Kingmen. They're 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 this um, alliance to um, combating evil, and uh, it shows you a whole bunch of uh, a nice little preview of action and everything that's going to come forth. It looks like a like a, a wonderful thrill ride. I got a sense of a mixture of Wanted with James McAvoy, Angelina Jolie, and X-Men First Class, which Vaughn actually did too, with showing these uh, this group, you know, training. I, I always love movies, action movies, where they show like a whole whole training um, uh, section of the movie. That always uh, entertains me. And this one seems to pack a, a wallop of a punch. So I think this one's going to be worth checking out. Uh, it will be out later this year. Well, you heard it from Ryan. Uh, the Secret Service, well, Kingsman, The Secret Service, uh, was his pick. Lucas, what was yours? I went with Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, as you all know, I am the old man of the group who doesn't read comic books and doesn't like too many Marvel movies happening all at once. Um, but it looks kind of cool. It looks like a different take. It's thankfully something that I don't have to watch six other movies to understand. 
Uh, it looks like we have a great cast on our hands and, and some really entertaining writing. I think Chris Pratt is a, uh, a great choice for Star-Lord. From what little I've seen of the character, he looks like he's going to be a nice fit. He's got a good supporting cast of characters. Um, I'm excited to see Vin Diesel as a tree. I think it's <laughs> it's the role that he was born to play. <laughs> so true. If, you, if you've seen his acting in the Fast and Furious movies, um, much like how I kind of joked that Keanu Reeves was born to play an emotionless robot in Day the Earth Stood Still. Oh, that was spot on. Um, <laughs> Vin Diesel was born to play a tree. Uh, but I'm excited. It was, it was going to be an IMAX, right? Yes, oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so we're going to go see that in IMAX and... Uh, That'll be awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy looks phenomenal, and I think it's easily going to be the probably the most fun we're going to have at the movies this summer. And, but it wasn't my pick, honestly. Um, the Guardians trailer was phenomenal. The Secret Service trailer, very interesting. And as someone who's read the comic, uh, I'm really pumped to see how Matthew Vaughn kind of adapts it and changes it, makes it his way. But my pick would definitely be Interstellar. Now, I mean, it's Christopher Nolan. He has not done wrong yet, um, depending on what fan you're talking to. But, I mean, this is the guy who, who made Batman cool again. He created one of the coolest trilogies ever. And then, not only that, because you have to think, a lot of these uh, directors now that are making superhero films are kind of only doing that in between each Batman Christopher Nolan the artist that he is made two phenomenal films in between he between uh, Batman Begins and the Dark Knight he made the prestige and between the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Rises he made Inception all of these films phenomenal so I'm very very excited for Interstellar and the first Footage was a big teaser. This trailer, we got to see the whole, the whole concept of it is, um, you know, it's a not do, not so distant future where we've uh, run out of food on Earth, so they want to explore um, different worlds and not just in our solar system, but through uh, like portals, like uh, like black holes and that kind of stuff. I, it's all science stuff that I'm not really, really knowledgeable of, but. Uh, it looks incredibly interesting. The cast looks phenomenal. You got Michael Caine, who is, I think, legally has to be in every Christopher Nolan movie ever. Uh, we got oh, Matt, no we got Matthew McConaughey, who is on a huge streak right now. He's playing the lead along with uh, Anne Hathaway, believes in it as well. So I mean, you got a pretty impressive cast of, uh, you know, Nolan's favorites as well as McConaughey. You know, kind of leading the pact. So. Uh, you know, I'm very excited for Interstellar. I'm excited for all these movies. It was kind of hard this week to pick which is my favorite, but uh, I'm going to have to go with Interstellar. And that is all the time we have today, or tonight, or this week on News Over Brews. Uh, I'm Al Manorino, and I'm going to finish this beer. I'm Luke Jones, and I'm going to go to sleep. And I'm Ryan DeMarco, and I trust the government. Just ask the Indians. Thanks for listening.